sins and multiply God, all that I am and find my heart On the altar again, set me on fire Set me on fire Oh, take all I have in these hands and multiply God, all that I am and find my heart on the altar again. Set me on fire, set me on fire. Here I am, God, arms wide open. Pouring out my life, gracefully broken. still and know that you are God. <clears throat> o Lord, who answers out of the whirlwind of everyday life, breathe in us your Holy Spirit to strengthen, comfort, and guide us in the midst of the storm. O still small voice, speak to us in this hour that we might become makers of your peace in our homes, in our communities, in our world. We pray all this in the name of the one who calmed the raging sea. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to be together as we worship the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together. Again, if you're a guest with us, we do want to extend a welcome to you. 
Uh, we have a gift for you uh, on the table in the, in the narthex, a bottle with some information on our church. If you have any questions, our email address is on there as well, as well as phone number. And again, the invitation I give to all of you each week, if you do want to get together and talk, I'm relatively available. We can set up a time for coffee or for lunch. Um, yeah, uh, so let me know if that would be something you'd like to do. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord as we praise him. Again, as we greet each other, don't feel the obligation to shake hands uh, because of the season that we're in, uh, many sicknesses going around. Um, unless the person next to you is adamant, shake their hand, okay? But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a valuable risk to take there. So let me extend you our Lord's greeting and then we'll greet one another. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let's greet each other. Death. 
And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe. For the souls of all who come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, and the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. Praise the Father, praise the Son. Praise the Spirit in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings, praise forever to the King of kings. says in chapter 7, talking about Jesus, in my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Behold our God. Who has held the oceans in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Who has given counsel to the Oh, humble 
Confession is based on John 3 and John 16. Jesus says, Do not marvel that you must be born again. What is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of spirit is spirit. The wind blows where it wills, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit who convicts us of sin and leads us into all righteousness. Therefore, we confess our sin together. Would you bow your head as I pray a prayer of confession? Lord Jesus, we come before you as those born into the world, but who have been taken out of the world. We come before you as those who have been forgiven of all of our sin, past, present, and future, and declared righteous before your throne, but who still struggle with sin. Lord, we ask for your Spirit's continued strength in us in this glorious battle as we fight by your Spirit's power, being made more and more like you every day. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing sin to us by and with the Word of God as you direct and lead and change us. And I thank you that you'll finish in each of us what you've started. There's no project in this room this morning that you say, well, that one won't work, or enough of that one. You'll finish in each of us what you started, and I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. The grace that you have for us we don't deserve, the mercy you have for us we don't deserve, and you call us to the same with each other. But it's so easy to be critical of others' lives, to look down upon them compared to what we think we're doing, to not consider who we are in light of the cross. Lord, give us the mercy that you have for us towards others. Give us the forgiveness you have for us towards others. Lord, help us to forgive as we have been forgiven. Forgive us for the way, Lord Jesus, that our forgiveness lacks, for the way our love lacks. Forgive us for the way we've treated our neighbor, even as we consider often our closest neighbor, our spouses or our kids, our parents maybe. Help us to love others the way you have loved us, Lord, and forgive us when we have fallen and failed and as we fail. 
Continue to reveal sin to us, Lord, that we might repent and turn to you, Lord. We do stand before you as those unworthy of your grace, but completely thankful for it. We pray this in your name. The assurance of pardon this morning, I've taken from Romans 5, and we hear these words from Paul. Since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith. And into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, and hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given to us. Praise be to God. The kids are dismissed at this time for children in worship, if you'll follow the flag. I was thinking um, when we were, when I was prepping you for the handshake, non-handshake, there are... Being gracious is sometimes a difficult thing. You know, like sometimes you just feel awkward. You're not quite sure what to do. You know, what if somebody extends their hand to me? Do I have to shake it? Or will they understand if I don't? Um, And for some reason, it popped into my mind. Years ago, we were in Romania on a mission trip, and we were up in the hill country there, and people were just poor as poor could be. And uh, we went into this one lady's house. She didn't have anything, and and she made us some food, and she made us some coffee, and she was adamant we drank the coffee. Like it was like a day before we flew out. And we all knew what was going to happen. But she was so adamant we drank the coffee. We were like, okay. We drank the coffee. 15 hours of a plane ride misery all the way home. So that's the, that's the balance, right? And I think the 15 hours of misery was worth drinking her coffee. So anyway, 1 Corinthians 12 is where we're at this morning. I invite you to have your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians 12. I want to consider this morning uh, maybe a broader theme on church health. And so we met with uh, our church visitors, I think I mentioned that last week, um, uh, Mike Ryan are actually church visitors for a few churches, we'll make the same visits to some churches in Pella, um, Peoria, and uh, that area. And so we had our church visitors come, and there's, there's a new way that it's done. A lot of time when, when church visitors come, they're like, oh, we often think, well, they're only coming if there's issues, but that's not the new strategy. The strategy is just to reevaluate how the church is doing. Uh, how the uh, mission statement, vision statement, goals, if they're being met, are they being pursued, what's, what's the overall health of the church, and then report back to classes. And so the new model uh, consists of a survey. And so all those in church leadership here, uh, about 20 of us, took the church survey, and we sent it back to uh, CRC Grand Rapids, CRN, and, and, and so they, they tabulated the results, and we got the results back, and then we sat in the fireside room, and we went through the results of uh, the Healthy Church Survey. It was encouraging uh, to, just to read where we're at or how we view ourselves as leaders. Um, we'll get into, into some of that in the upcoming weeks, but our, our goal at this point, um, because the survey was helpful, our plan at this point, and it might change, I don't think it will, we're going we're, we're gonna to send it out to the whole church. And uh, before our next congregational meeting, we'll have the survey taken by those that want to take it, and we'll tabulate uh, the responses, and we'll go through some of that at our congregational meeting. Um, But the whole point was church health. What makes a healthy church? How do you pursue health in a church? What does health look like in the body of Christ? All these themes uh, that we need to be thinking about. And we all have different ideas maybe of what a healthy church looks like. I want to consider some of that this morning of what the Apostle Paul says. We all know what it means for having a healthy body. I hope we do. You know, the importance of staying healthy, having a healthy heart, healthy lungs, Um, 
You know, I've made a practice the best I could throughout my life to exercise. And, 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 and if, if you're like me, you know that if you miss a few weeks of even just running on the treadmill, your mind doesn't work the same. Um, I just feel so much better if I have a time of running or a time of uh, a weightlifting, which I haven't been able to do for a while, but it's, uh, we know the importance. And it's been interesting as I get older, uh, you start to notice in the gym, uh, the older people start to drop off at certain points. And, and uh, as I hurt more and more from doing the same things I've done years ago, I start to understand why. I am falling apart. That is the nature of things. They have a tendency to fall apart. You know, if we were to leave the chairs like this all week, you'd come back in next week and it wouldn't look like this. They'd be in different spots. There's a tendency uh, for things to change and shift and, and fall apart. And so we do our best to pursue health, um, keeping things healthy, keeping things together. What point am I trying to make here? The point has to do with what Paul says in our passage this morning in relation to the church and the church functioning in a healthy way. So let's go to the text. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. This is what Paul wrote. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute, to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So you have uh, basically a, a yes and no answer there. It's a very binary uh, response to those that are believers and those that aren't, distinguishing who is and who isn't. We'll talk about that shortly. Next, Paul says in verse 4, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are a variety of services, but the same Lord, and there are a variety of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each individually as he wills. Then Paul would say in summary, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the same spirit. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, as we consider these words, uh, more the overarching view of what Paul has written here, help us to pursue health in a way that glorifies you and strengthens our body here at Crossroads Fellowship. We pray this in your name. Amen. So, so in this letter... Um, to the church at Corinth, by and large, it does appear that Paul is answering questions that were posed to him. So he received a letter or a couple letters, or maybe verbally, of questions that this church had, this church facing various trials and challenges. We talked last week about communion and things that were happening in communion, uh, taking communion in an unworthy way, Paul responding to that. This week, he's responding in this text to the gifts of the church. Now, we're not going to break down some of these specific gifts, and uh, not, not in this particular sermon. Um, maybe some of you would like to go there. That's not quite where I'm headed this morning. There might be time for that in a future topic or a future sermon. Um, 
I just want to consider the body of Christ more generally this morning. Well, what makes the body of Christ? Who makes the body of Christ? Now, we read this in John 16. Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. So he's speaking to the disciples. This is before his ascension, after he'd risen from the grave. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. And so as we've talked about in the past, when Jesus was here in the flesh, he was not omnipresent. He wasn't everywhere at once all the time. So he could be in Bethlehem, but not in Jerusalem. Unless he walked there. Because he was human. Fully God and fully man. But when he rose from the grave and he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he sent the Spirit 40 days later. And that Spirit now, omnipresent. God all places, all the time, at once. And that is an advantage to the church. So he sent himself now, the third person of the Trinity, as he builds the church. We read in our passage in Romans this. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, but according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all do the same function, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of it. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Again, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So just breaking down the church. A variety of people, a variety of gifts, given by the Holy Spirit for the upbuilding of the body of Christ. We don't all have the same gift. Now, we all have the same fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is different. We all possess love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We all have that maybe in different measures, but we all should have the fruit. But giftings now are different. We don't all possess the same kind of giftings. And that is great. And it has to be that way. I mean, what if we were all preachers? What would the church look like? What if we were all just gifted um, in mercy, which maybe we should be, uh, but, but just to think if we were all the same, what kind of church would we be? We need the variety of gifts that God has given to us. Exhortation, contributing, generosity, leading, acts of mercy. This is how we be the church together. The church established, birthed by Christ himself, the body of Christ, you and I here and all generations that call upon the Lord Jesus, given various gifts from God. No gift better than another, but to be used all for the upbuilding of the body of Christ. Back to our section, verse 12. Here again what Paul wrote. So now concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mere idols, however you were led. Therefore, I I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God 
says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So the question before us is, if God has gifted the church with various gifts, do I have the Spirit of God? Am I part of the body of Christ, and what part do I play? And so Paul makes that answer pretty easy for us. Uh, when I was little, when I was little, I committed one sin. No, right. no. There was one time when I committed a sin when I was little. I should say it that way. But the outcome of the sin was the question I had in my mind, have I just committed the unpardonable sin? Okay? I mean, maybe you've asked yourself that question. And a lot of times you'll ask yourself that question if you don't know what the unpardonable sin is. And so I was little and I knew there was a sin that would not be forgiven. And I had sinned and I'm like, man, have I just committed the unpardonable sin? I didn't know. Had I done it, was it me? What is that? Jesus says this about that sin. He says, therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy against the spirit that's it. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. And so, like, I can't even remember what the sin was, but in my little mind, I'm like, I'm freaking out. I'm like, am I out? Am I out now because of sin? It took me a lot of years to figure out that non-Christians don't worry about that right? Non-Christians do not worry if they've committed the unpardonable sin. Christians worry about such things. Christians are the ones who profess Christ, not non-Christians. And it's those of us who profess Christ that consider our sins. But that sin specifically, as it's broken down here, is, is not ascribing to Jesus what Jesus has done. It's rejecting the Holy Spirit's witness. It's saying that what the Spirit testifies about Christ is not true. I think I lied to my sister or called her something. Like, you know, that's not even close to what we're talking about here. The unpardonable sin is rejecting the testimony of the Spirit of who Jesus is. Christians don't do that. Christians can't do that. Non-Christians do that rejecting the very testimony of the Holy Spirit. Got an interesting email this week. I'll come back to that in a second. And the, and the email essentially asked the question, why do people go to hell? Do people go to hell for their sin or do people go to hell for rejecting Jesus? Let's answer silently. Do people go to hell for rejecting Jesus or for their sin? It's a good question. And the answer is yes. Right? We are all, by nature, children of wrath, destined for hell, until God in his mercy gives us faith, restores, redeems, directs us. But because of sin, we are all headed towards hell, and one of those sins is the rejection of the Holy Spirit's witness of who Jesus is. So it is a sin to not take faith in Jesus. Christians don't commit that. We commit all sorts of sins, but hear what Paul says in our section of the Spirit's work in our life. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. 
And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. The only reason you're saying Jesus is Lord is because you have the Holy Spirit. This is how God builds his church. He gives us his spirit. His spirit in us causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. It causes us to cry out, Jesus is Lord. Now we can say those words and not believe it, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Christ is Lord and you know it. You can't help but not know it. That's not you making yourself believe that. That's the Holy Spirit in you at work causing that confession of faith. That's God building his church in his people by his spirit calling us to call out to Christ for repentance and salvation. It's a spirit at work in us. So have you committed the unpardonable sin? Not if you're professing Jesus as Lord. I read one author recently who said these words as we consider the Spirit's work in building the church headed towards church health here. He wrote this. It is not the strength of your faith Remember the verse I just read, faith is also the gift of God. God has given different measures of faith to people. So keep that very clear. Even your faith is the gift and the amount of faith that you have. But this author said this, it's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. So faith connecting us with Christ. Strong faith in a weak branch is fatally inferior to weak faith in a strong branch. And the author essentially is just saying this. It is not the measure of your faith that God has given you that saves you. Faith in doing good enough for God will not save you. Faith in Jesus saves you. Even a weak faith in Jesus saves you. A strong faith in believing that if I'm good enough, God will like me is not a saving faith. But a weak faith that Jesus is Lord is a saving faith. It is Jesus and nothing else. Paul says this faith that each of us here who call on Christ possess, strong or weak, depending where we're at in our sanctification, but no matter where we're at, if our faith is in Jesus and we call out upon Jesus as Lord, that is evidence of the Spirit in us. Again, the evidence is this. Therefore, I want you to understand, Paul says, that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Is that you? Is that your profession? Do you believe it? Is that in your heart? Has he given you that faith? Are you a part of the church? If not, repent of your sin. Take faith in Christ. If so, continue to believe the great profession that Christ has given to you as you call out to him. Now, as we look at the church uh, in our day and age, uh, we, we, we could maybe say that everything is kind of an understatement if it's not from scripture. But in highlighting what I'm trying to say here, as you look at culture, you, you can maybe see three types of expressions of faith. Um, there's, there's the revivalistic expression which basically says if, if your emotions aren't high all the time, if you're not always as excited, if you're not always clapping your hands, then you're probably not saved. Like you always have to be in an emotional high. And I'm like, oh no, Paul dealt with despair. You know, Paul said it would be better to be with the Lord than to be in, in this life, but for your sake, he's pressing on. I mean, you read the Psalms, like all the emotions of the Psalms. The revivalist mentality, though, is one form 
<clears throat> that we see in our culture. Another type is the pietistic form of faith. Um, the pietistic type of faith, now there's nothing wrong with piety, pursuing living for Jesus, but in, in the right context. Uh, the, but the pietistic sort of faith says that uh, you only feel like you're a good Christian if other people think you're a good Christian. You want them to see how holy you are. So you do good deeds before others. And you shame those who you think aren't doing enough. You hide your sin, but you point out the sin of others. I think... Uh, Maybe in Protestant and Reformed settings, this might be the type of expression of faith that we deal with the most. Um, and, and, I, and I would say that because when sin is revealed, what's the response often of the church? Uh, it's, a, it's a shunning oftentimes. You know, I've been in central Iowa long enough to see when sin's exposed, to see often how people respond to that sin being exposed instead of seeking restoration, instead of seeking building up the body of Christ together, the pietistic culture often says, we really don't know you. You're really not a part of us. There is no restoration. It's all about looking good, basically. It's not about Christ. The last type of Christianity, which I think Paul is describing in this passage as it relates to the Spirit's work in the church, that's what I want to talk about here for the remainder of the time. But it's a Christianity that's based on the leading of the Spirit given to us and directed in us by the Word of God. A Christianity that is not afraid of sin in others and is not afraid of sin in us. We're a people that should expect other people to sin and should have the response when they or we do. And that is the response of Christ. Grace, mercy, forgiveness, restoration. Granted, there is church discipline. We talked about that last week, what that looks, for, looks like, but the motivation is ultimately restoration. It's not a happy all the time Christianity. It is a Christianity that has depressed people in it sometimes. It's a Christianity that struggles with the brokenness of life but it's a Christianity that takes sin seriously. And if we take sin seriously, we take the cross seriously. What else did Christ die for? So where are we today is the question. Crossroads Fellowship, CRC. We can, we can see where the church at Corinth was, and that brings me to my next thought here this morning. A healthy church pursues Christ together. So Paul, after showing the church at Corinth that it is the Spirit of God in a person that makes them declare that Jesus is Lord, and it's the gathering of those people with that declaration that constitute the body of Christ together, and then we have these local expressions of the body of Christ, like this local expression here. There's local expressions all over Des Moines, all over central Iowa. There's the historic expression of the body of Christ that extends into the future of all those who profess Christ as Savior. And within that expression are individuals, Paul says this of the church. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. I mean, just, just think about what these words mean here. So, so, so the standard is same Lord, same spirit over all of this. Same Lord, same spirit. Variety of gifts. We have a variety of gifts in this place, a variety of gifts in the church around Iowa, around the nation, around the world. Same Lord, 
There are a variety of activities that churches do. So uh, First CRC, now uh, Impella changed their name to Connect Church. Um, not that that matters, but just so you know what I'm talking about. So uh, we were at uh, classes yesterday, and uh, they're starting a ministry at uh, the, the Pella Recreation Center. So they're starting a new outreach, uh, healthy mind, healthy body ministry there at the rec center. That's not the same ministry every church in Pella's called to. What use would that be? Like that's, that's the ministry they're called to at this time. Same Lord, same spirit, variety of activities. Praise God for hope. We're not called to be hope. They're called to be hope. We're called to be crossroads. Sometimes our activities overlap. Same Lord though, different places. We know how this works even in our personal lives. I remember going on a visit with a, a lady in the church and she made some comment to the effect of, aren't you glad every visit isn't the same? And she was talking about herself, I think. But my mind is like, you know, just a variety of people and a variety of visits and a variety of circumstances of brokenness and, and joy, like such a variety in life. Like, I'm glad every visit's not the same. Different joys, different conversations. It is good to have the variety in this life. And God has blessed our church in a very specific way. And one of the questions we've had in the past is, who are we? What's our identity? Why are we here? It's one question we pursue forever, even as God changes us and sanctifies us. Each of us here containing different personalities, our church having a different personality uh, as we together make up this expression of faith here. God calling us to build each other up with the gifts he's given us. To encourage one another, the author of Hebrews says, and all the more as we see the day approaching. Are we about this business? And I think of all that happens in the church, the variety of services that happen in this place. There's so much more that happens than just on a Sunday morning, and most of us know that. Did you know that there's a group of people before the service that meet to pray for the service? Every Sunday morning, now, there's a lot that happens in the church, but when I walk to my office and I see that group praying there, I'm like, man, that's the fuel house right there. That's the furnace of what's happening here in about 15 minutes. Let that place burn so we can burn out here, right? Just a variety of gifts and services. So thank you if you have the gifting of prayer for being in that prayer group. I think of all those that help in the kitchen to prepare meals as we gather together or those that help to serve food every third Monday on our food shelf or leaders of the high school group, the junior high group, leaders of Awana, leaders of Sunday school. A variety of gifts and a variety of services. Paul says this, hear his words again. Now there are a variety of gifts but the same spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Consider what Paul's saying. The, the Christian life does not look just like you, and it does not look just like me. It does not look like the person you think who has it all together, that they're the standard for every godly life. The church looks like a variety of people a variety of personalities, a variety of giftings, holding to the one Christ who holds them all together. A very diverse population of believers. One Lord, one spirit, one baptism. Huge diversity 
in his calling of people. When I was a kid, well, it's kind of funny, in our, in our meeting um, on our church health team, we had to go around and say one thing about us. And I'm like, ah, I shouldn't do that because then, you know, that's my sermon illustration ammo. So I got I to gotta hold those stories back, right? I'm just thinking like, anyway, so one time as a kid, we lived on the edge of town and, uh, um, and I have to remind myself that my, my kids are going to have uh, a, a good experience. It's going to be their experience growing up. Um, I always think like, I want them to have my experience. You know, like, I love my childhood. They'll love theirs too for different reasons. Um, but w- behind us was like 100 acres of woods where we lived. And it was like every little kid's dream. I mean, like, man, we would hike in those woods all the time. I mean, we probably lost tons of toys back there. In the woods was a stream. Like, what else could you ask for? I suppose there's other things you could ask for. But for us, like, you know, that, that was it. The stream had rocks. We'd build dams, make waterfalls. We'd follow the stream all the way up into the woods to where the pond was, where it would start. But a lot of times, we'd, you know, as little kids, we'd like to make these ships. And so we'd make ships either out of like gluing or taping wood together or folding paper. And we'd race the ships down the stream. Or there'd be times we'd make just a ton of ships and we'd start up at the top of the stream. We'd put them all in at once. And if you waited long enough, they would all be stuck on the sides of the stream. And so you'd have to go to the ship, put it back in the stream and let it sail down the water. As I think about that, I think of who Christ is in our life. I mean, he's the shipbuilder. He's the ship shaper. He is the one who has called us. He molds us and he sets us in the water. He's the stream that we're flowing on in the direction that he's taking us. We get stuck on the rocks sometimes, all of us, at different times in life. And he, maybe through another person in the church, maybe in a different way, grabs us and puts us back on the stream so we sail in the right direction. God will finish what he started in each of our lives and he'll finish what he started in us as a church as we sail upon the stream of Christ to the destination, right? New heavens, new earth, no more sickness, no more pain. We're sailing that way. We have a firm objective in mind where we're headed. So we keep the front of our boat, front of our life, aim that way, and we help others to do the same. Our job with the variety of gifts that we're given in this church is to keep people pointed in the right direction. Keep after Christ. Keep pursuing him. And we do that in a variety of ways as well. Sometimes it's harder when someone's hung up on the rocks. Sometimes you love the rocks. Don't get me off the rock. I don't want to be back on the stream. Another way to say it is, I love my sin. You're like, no, you don't. It's going to destroy you. Or maybe it's just the brokenness of this world. You know, just the pain, the trial. I think of those that are facing chronic illnesses, diseases that probably will not get healed until they're with Christ. And how easy it is just to say, you know what? Where's the loving God right now? Where is he at? I had that conversation last week, too, with a gentleman essentially saying, I used to believe in a loving God. I just can't. Look at my life. Look at my life. How can I believe in a loving God? Where is he? And the only response in that moment is, 
I am here on behalf of him. I'm not him, but I'm here to tell you that God loves you and he's for you. Get back in the stream. This is what the church does as we pursue health together. Let me build off that to my last thought this morning. So we met his classes yesterday down in the metropolis of Oskaloosa. First CRC there. Some of you from there, I know. Some of you have family there. Um, and so we have a variety of churches represented in the classes of Central, or the, the, the classes of Central Plains. A variety of churches represented there. A variety of pastors and elders and deacons represented there. Not one of us looks the same. A lot of times maybe we think we're doing it right and someone else is doing it wrong, but that's, that's the pietistic nature that comes out in us. No, a variety of gifts, a variety of services, churches that look different together as a classist meeting together to discuss the business of the CRC. And it's a good sight. The clerk began uh, to discuss uh, in, in his opening um, devotion what is a classist. It, it was helpful. Uh, maybe we've heard those discussions before. One of my favorite ways it's been explained to me is this, um, that it's more or less a nautical term. I may have said this before. Uh, but together, we as churches in the CRC exist like a fleet of ships. You know, some aircraft carriers in the CRC, some battleships, some cruisers. We are a fleet of ships sailing together. Some bigger, some stronger, some smaller, some weaker all sailing together under the banner of Christ and helping each other sail in the right direction. Working together, meeting together. So we gathered together as a classist to discuss the business of the church. I mean, just, just a great picture of what Christ's church is. And thinking of all the hundreds and hundreds of people represented there by those pastors and elders and deacons, just the variety of people, the variety of pains, the variety of trials, the variety of joys, all under one Christ, one banner, one Lord, all joined together by the same Spirit. Different personalities, different giftings, same Jesus gathered together, first Oski. What does that look like here? What does it look like among us as we seek to help each other follow Jesus? Well, it might look like praying for each other. That's simple. I mean, you can do that without anyone knowing. You can go home and you can pray for somebody. Or if somebody brings a need to you, a good practice is, is just to say, let's, let's pray about it right now. Just, just pray with them in the moment. I just think of the nature of words, you know, and, and uh, th this calling is so bizarre in so many ways. Like I'm up here just saying words, okay? But just the impact and the power of words I mean, God's given us his word. It's words. It's in a book. Taking us to the word of God who is Christ. But words, God creating all things with words. And we know that people's words have huge effect on us. As you interact with the church, choose your words wisely. Words that build up. Words that help people grow. Words that point people in the right direction. Not words that tear them down. Not words that set yourself up as higher than them. We're all on the same ground here. Even here, we are a fleet of individual ships working together for the same goal. Hear Paul's words again. 
To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And Paul again begins by saying, for the common good. Know who we are in Christ, know who you are in Christ, and we pursue the common good. Let me wrap this up. I know some of you sit here and you wonder, why am I here? Who am I? Or maybe even deeper than that, like, why do I even exist? Why did God make me? What's the point of my life? And the church says, we need you. I need you. The person next to you needs you. You, not the person in front of you to be identical or behind you to be identical, but you, as God has made you with your giftings for the upbuilding of the body of Christ, we need you. We need exactly how God has made you. That's for each of us here. Each of us here together, functioning as a body of Christ together, as he's made us, not to compare ourselves with who's in front of us or behind us, but to use the gifting that God has given us for the common good to be Crossroads Fellowship as we pursue health. You know, and part of that is stop, you know, it's just to kind of stop wishing that we had the gifts that other people had, you know? I fight that too, right? You know, and so like, um, it, it's so strange. There's this one pastor uh, in Pella, and I maybe said it before, like when he speaks, like he has this captivating, deep voice, and I'm like, why not all preachers, God? <laughs> you know, what about me? I mean, we all do it, like, but that's not what we're called to. Who has God made us individually for the upbuilding of the body of Christ? Let me bring you to these words here as I wrap this up. All empowered by the same spirit, Paul says, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. God did not make a mistake in what he apportioned in your life. He didn't make a mistake in how he gifted you or what he didn't give you as a spiritual gift. He knew exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. And you're here for the purpose of glorifying him and building up the body of Christ. But so often our tendency, the reason we have a confession of sin and assurance of pardon, is we like to categorize success and failure, good and bad, by what the world is doing, not by what Christ is doing. We're to move away from the fickle. We're to move to things that last. The Spirit's work in us. Our job is to apply these words today as I wrap up. To seek Christ daily. To seek how he's gifted us individually. To see how he's made us as a church. And just pursue that health as we use those gifts together in this body of believers. 
Let me pray. Jesus, you are good, and I thank you that you love the church. I thank you, Lord, for each person in this place. I thank you for the variety of gifts you've given to us. Again, I want to pray the prayer I've prayed before. If there's anyone here this morning, Lord, who doesn't know their place in gifting of how they build up the body of Christ, Lord, make it very clear to them what their gifts are. Help the elders of the church as well, myself as well, to point that out in each person in this church, what their giftings are. Lord, might we be about encouraging one another in the faith, might we be about building up the body of Christ? Might we be about running the race of faith strong together? Not only here at Crossroads, but with all the churches that call upon you as Lord and Savior. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Our offering this morning is for Dort University. Does that sound strange to anybody to say Dort University yet? Dort University, so as the offering is taken, I say because well, it was Dort College this morning, so the offering as it's taken, uh, please pass the folders that are in the aisles so we know who's with us this morning. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have made. I thank you for each person in this place that you have made and called specifically to yourself and to the advancement of your kingdom here in this place and around the world, Lord Jesus. We thank you for those that we represent and have sent and have raised money for and continue to pray for around the world. 
Even as we took the offering for Ryan Faber last week, as he and his family prepare, Lord, to go to Nigeria, I ask that all the details would fall into place. Even as this offering goes to Dort University, Lord, preparing men and women for works of service in your kingdom in various fields. And even from this place, Lord Jesus, maybe there are those here that you're calling to different parts of the world to serve you there. But we know for sure, Lord, we are all here called to serve you here while we're here. So I pray everyone again would know their gifts, Lord. We do come before you, Lord, with the needs of the church. I, I pray for Drew as he prepares for April surgery. I ask that you'd be with him, that he would have full healing. Be with him through this process. We pray for Carolyn Wilson, Lord Jesus, in the ICU right now with blood clots on her lungs. I do ask, Lord, that her body would, would heal properly, that her breathing would be right, and that her foot would continue to heal. We ask that you be with her right now. For those that uh, are experiencing um, age, the changes with age, I ask that you be with Ruth Tibble and Glenn Summers and others, Lord, who are often not able to be with us. Continue to encourage and speak to them in ways that you can this morning, Lord. I pray for those who care for them and love them and others of our congregation. In similar circumstances, maybe those that are home with illness, we pray for healing. We pray for those who have had surgeries that you would continue to heal their bodies. Those that are awaiting surgeries and healing, Lord, be with them. Those that have to live with chronic illnesses, whether it be certain forms of physical pain or mental anguish, Lord, we ask that you'd be with them. We pray for Winnie Peterson and her battle with cancer. Lord, we ask that you would do a work in her body towards healing. Continue to remind her, Lord, who she belongs to, that she's yours in life and in death. Lord, we thank you for the classes that met yesterday, all the churches represented there. We thank you for our denomination and the work that's being done and synod soon approaching. And we just ask for wisdom for those that will be attending and the leaders that are leading. We thank you for the church. We thank you, Lord, that there is no plan B, but this is the church that you have established, that you will cause to grow, to flourish, that will never be taken away. Even if denominations change from time to time, your church continues to stand generation after generation. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the head of the church. Lord, we do pray for our nation. We pray, Lord, for our leaders in the home, in the city, in the state, in the nation, and around the world. We pray for wisdom for those that lead. Lord, help them lead as those that are led by you. And again, if they're not led by you, if they refuse to bow their knee to you, turn their heart to do your will. We do pray for peace around the world, Lord Jesus. And we know ultimately that day comes when you return again, but we do ask your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for peace. We pray for good health as many are worried about sickness and the spread of the coronavirus. We ask, Lord, for uh, just that springtime sun to shine and the relief people get and a good healthy season. We do pray, Lord, for remedies to be found for these diseases that pop up here and there. For those in our church who are sick, we do pray for healing. We ask, Lord, that you'd be with each of us. And we thank you, Lord, 
as you're not, if you've not, not left us without a way to pray, as we close by praying, as you've taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Are there any, any announcements this morning? Good morning. Um, this week, Wednesday, February 12th, the high school youth group is having a pizza ranch tip night. Um, we are raising monies to uh, support our high schoolers who are going on an awesome serve trip this summer. Um, I, in high school, went on serve trips, and I know it's an amazing experience where you really encounter God and meet other people and just grow in your relationship with Jesus. So we welcome you to come to that um, pizza ranch tip night this week. Um, we get 100% of the tips, and then also 10% of the sales if you bring the flyer that is in your mailbox here. So make sure you check your mailbox today and grab that Pizza Ranch flyer. Um, we welcome you to, in to invite any friends, neighbors. Um, Pizza Ranch is an awesome place to eat, so um, we would love to have you join us on Wednesday. Thanks. Well, one thing I wanted to call your attention to that's in the bulletin is elder deacon nominations for this coming year. Um, so council meets on the 17th, which is just eight days away now. Um, and so if you have someone that you want to nominate for elder or deacon, you can mention that person to a current council member. And those people are all listed on the back of the bulletin. Thanks. All right. Would you stand for the benediction? From the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 13, we're sent with these words this morning. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.